0: Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax, and it's delightful to be back with you again today. We're going to take a look at mindset and how it is that we can use our minds to overcome obstacles. And with us is Amy Silvis, and she is the founder and principal of Silvis Capital, a real estate investment firm that invests in large multifamily properties in emerging markets throughout the United States. So, welcome, Amy, and take us. Into to the show and share an experience that helped you to be who you are today.
1: Thank you, Dr. Lomax. What a pleasure it is to be here to serve all your listeners. I really appreciate the invitation and greetings, everyone. She mentioned I'm Amy Silvis out of beautiful, well, I would say sunny Los Angeles, but we actually have some unusual rain <laughs> today. And yes, I love your question about a formative experience. I will get a bit personal if that's all right. I was born in 1981 with a genetic illness called cystic fibrosis. Some people may have heard of this, but it's a a lung condition that causes the lungs to deteriorate slowly over time. And I was supposed to live to be about eight or nine years old. And I am 41 and a half years old. We count the halves in my family because because every single day counts. Uh, You can't see my gray hair because I dyed it. But I wear my wrinkles and my gray hair and, and every sign of aging very proudly. As you can imagine, knowing I live with a fatal lung condition, being in and out of the hospital, it really changed my mindset. I think for the better, it was a gift growing up and really helped me realize from a very young age, what really matters in life in terms of family, community, giving to others. And thankfully, I didn't really have kind of this crisis of what to do and what was my purpose, you know, maybe that many feel in their their early 20s or maybe even, you know, late 20s, if you will, I was always given the gift of having this e- path of understanding what I'm here on earth to do and and how I can be a positive influence. So I hope that answered your question. Let me know, Dr. Lomax, if that's the right track. Well,
0: yeah, definitely the right track and certainly a condition to overcome and certainly has obviously taught you a great deal about how to deal uh, with struggles. And the beautiful smile you carry on your face certainly tells us that you have certainly learned how to to deal with what life throws your way. So talk to us, Amy, about how it is that, I mean, all of us, maybe we don't have the severe illnesses that you've had to deal with, but all of us have had struggles of some sort or the other, and they're inevitable in life. Nobody is going to get out of this world without facing difficulties. So how is it that we can respond to these to dedicate ourselves to living a positive, productive life?
1: I love that question. You know, it really comes down to understanding what is within our control. I feel, you know, I think we're taught by culture that changing others or understanding the world around us, which of course is important. But the truth is, we can only really control our mindset and our own actions. And even when life feels the most difficult or the most hopeless, there are always things we can do, even if it's just to your point thinking positively or changing our mindset so making sure i always understand whether it's you know being stuck in the hospital for 2 weeks at a time treating a a lung infection i can still give a smile to a nurse who's working extremely hard to take care of me and likely countless other patients that day a smile is something i can control and give to someone else or a nice word of of encouragement or, or thanks. So, you know, I think regardless of circumstances, whether in business or personal life, really focusing in on how we can influence the world around us by our own actions and mindset can be tremendously beneficial as we overcome those obstacles, as you said, that are inevitable to all of us in life.
0: Yeah, it brings to mind that uh, that documentary that was done, I don't know, six, seven years ago about the lady in room number one. Uh, number What was the number? I can't remember. 106, I think it was. Anyway, she was the oldest Holocaust survivor. And uh, during the documentary, there's a conversation with her and a couple of other friends of hers who also survived the Holocaust. And one of the ladies said that her father had always told her to memorize as much as they can because that is the only thing that nobody can ever take from you is what you put into your mind. And uh, so that is so true. And it is, and like you were saying, it, uh, we do have control and power over what we put into our mind. And oftentimes I think we forget that and pollute our minds with things that just are not helpful to us or to others. And you say that it took you 10 years to get into real estate with many tries and many fails. What are you talking about in terms of 10 years? 10 years from when you were born or 10 <laughs> years from when you were 20?
1: <laughs> yes, 10 years from when I was uh, in my late 20s. It, it's, I, love, I love to tell the story. When truly I grew up in a lower middle class family with a father that actually still does manual labor at age 69 years old. And this concept of, investing, and not having to trade our time for money wasn't something I grew up with at all. It was something, thankfully, I found in a little purple book maybe some of us are familiar with called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Once I decided that I wanted to learn how to not trade my time for money and invest, you can imagine this difficulty with cystic fibrosis and being in and out of the hospital while still juggling my W-2 job, which I could barely candidly do with my health struggles. It was very difficult for me to take on learning and practice. Practicing and building a business on side of those those other two things I was dealing with. So with,
0: with no mentors, yeah, and,
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it was from uh, around 2010 until 2019, 2020 before I was really able to purchase my first real estate property and jump into this business. A little bit of help with modern medicine and a miracle drug for cystic fibrosis, but I don't regret the time. It it did take a lot of trials and tribulations, some failures. My gosh, did I learn a lot? And it's made me such a better investor today.
0: Well, 10 years really coming from where you came from really is not a terribly long time. I know in in the span of a lifetime, 10 years seems like a very long time. But in reality, when you come from a place with a family who has no background in finance, money management, entrepreneurship, It's a big journey, a long journey, and a lot of people who haven't had that experience, I don't think really understand what a long journey that is, to just get the concept that wealth does not come from labor, wealth does not build from jobs, that the only thing that builds wealth is actually capital, at least particularly in, in our co- capitalist culture and society. Mm-hmm. And if you don't come from that kind of background, it is a huge mindset uh, shift and change. And even after reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and books like that, it's like, oh, that's that's a wonderful concept. But it's but in reality, to a mind that has never experienced that, it's a fairy tale. Yes. And yeah, it's great and wonderful, but that's all it is. It's just a fairy So tell us about that 10-year transition. I'm sure it wasn't. I read this book and, oh, everything's fine and wonderful. So tell us about those 10 years.
1: Sure, sure. Well, it really started off as a maybe typical california investor looking in neighboring states and finding perhaps properties to learn and and you know practice on if you would with my own capital and with the little bit of savings i had saved up so looking at neighboring markets and figuring out you know how could i do this with maybe a single family or a small duplex where i could be my own property manager learn on the job i knew it would be risky i knew to your point Perhaps I could find a mentor. How would I afford that? Who would want to mentor me? Just, I'll be candid, a bit of a chaotic pattern of knowing I needed to get experience, continue to learn and really do it myself before I could scale before I could you know, take investors, nothing like that even crossed my mind without having that, that solid experience. So I had several properties under contract, learned a lot along the way. I'm kind of glad that they fell out of contract because I think I would have been making some mistakes, but as life has it, failures aren't always stop signs. Sometimes they're just little, little detours that actually serve you incredibly well moving forward on the journey. I ended up being a passive investor in a few other people's deals about three to four years into this 10-year journey because I realized my health before this miracle drug just wasn't going to hold up for me to do this on my own. And I still wanted to, kind of like a surgeon trying to learn how to do surgery by just reading. I knew I had to... continue my education above and beyond just reading or listening to podcasts. So passively investing in large multifamily apartments and asking questions of those sponsors and of the active investors was kind of a pivotal point in Mm -hmm. in my education there as well.
0: Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. So take us through some of those first endeavors you were investing Uh, investing passively, which Mm -hmm. a lot of our viewers and listeners, some of of our viewers and listeners, many of them are very experienced passive investors, but many are just beginning and looking how to get into passive investing. So how did you find these opportunities? How did you once find them? How did you vet them? How did you overcome the mindset of actually putting your money into, which I'm sure was a non-liquid asset that you weren't going to get that money back for three to seven years. How did you go through all of that?
1: So I decided to go to conferences to network because to your point I soon realized that there is this whole underground network of opportunities to invest but because I was not an accredited investor the SEC the Securities and Exchange Commission didn't allow these people putting these deals together these syndicators these operators to maybe list the opportunity on their website or advertise on social media I needed to find these people and form a you know one-on-one relationship so going to a few conferences with some probably well-known gurus folks might in the multifamily space recognize and building that relationship. I'm pretty conservative. So this took sometimes several years to follow people, get to know them, understand their heart, their values, their track record. And to your point, I really wanted to vet them and see what they had done in the past and how they really thought through obstacles that are inevitable in this industry. No investment goes smoothly from start to finish. And that really provided me a great opportunity to do investments with one or two folks that I really, again, intentionally got to know over an extended period of time. So yeah, that was really the the beginning of that journey. And to your point, it was pretty nerve-wracking making that first investment because mm-hmm. these are hard-earned dollars. Mm-hmm. And you know, for myself, I always knew that my lungs might not give me the opportunity to be able to work. So I think that mindset, almost that push that there was really no mm-hmm. other option. I had to get this journey started one way or the other because I needed to have my money grow without my time and labor. So this was the path- that was working for me at the time. So that's what helped me get over it, that why.
0: Yeah, I think that first investment, I mean, most investors are requiring $50,000. Occasionally, you can find somebody who uh, will take 25 or so, but they're very, very rare and far between that. So given that I'm assuming that all of the capital you had came from basically a W-2 job, Yes. those were extraordinarily hard-earned dollars. And so you did a lot of networking, relationship building, found people who you trusted, essentially. That's, I think, one of the first vehicles yes. that you had to to overcome. And the second one is you knew them well enough to know that they had a track record in terms of investing. But still, the question I have is that that very hard-earned dollars, you were tying those up for an extended period of time time. Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you overcome that obstacle? Because I mean, the, you, you're you putting this investment out there, it's your first one, and hard earned dollars that you're not going to get back for three to seven years. Yes. How'd you do that?
1: <laughs> well, you know, if you're acti- asking kind of tactically, financially, I was in a position where I had my salary, and these were savings that I had that I accumulated, I set aside methodically year after year. And I didn't invest anything that I thought I couldn't lose. That were a few negatives there. Mm-hmm. I knew I could still survive and pay my bills if, God forbid, I lost 100% of that investment money. That was how I felt safe. Would it have been a great experience had I lost that money? Of course not. But would it have set me out on the street? or unable to pay medical bills or or food? No. So I was in a secure spot. So that was kind of the mindset I had to have of, yes, this is not going to be available. These need to be funds that I don't need to live over the next three to seven years. And I can still be in a financially secure place if, God forbid, that money completely disappeared.
0: Well, difficult challenges and uh, difficult experiences since you uh, began this first investment uh, journey. What is... The greatest joy you've experienced
1: are so many two thanksgivings in a row now we've received notes from our residents telling us about how the dwellings that we've provided the apartment units that they've provided have helped them cook thanksgiving meal and spend time with their family what we do yes we do it for a profit we have investors you know we owe our investors a return but we also owe it to our residents and just to humankind to be good people And care for people, provide them with safe, secure, clean housing. So hearing messages from our residents, which we really encourage our property manager to be, to acquire and and pass on to us and our investors is so incredibly meaningful. I used to be a stock market investor and there's nothing wrong with that. I still invest in the stock market, but I don't quite get those customer, you know, use experience (laughs) messages that we do with our residents. So we truly are impacting lives we're helping people, we're creating community. And there really is nothing like knowing that even if it's just one person or one family at a time that we're making lives better.
0: Well, Amy, you've told us a little bit about the passive investments that you started off with. Tell us about that transition from passive investing to active investing, from limited partner to the general partner.
1: Yes. Well, once I had my health on track, and then I had these many years of passive investing experience where I was able to ask questions, see the good, the bad, and the ugly, I was ready to start my own multifamily and commercial investing firm. So it took a while. Again, I'm a little bit of a a methodical, conservative uh, kind of business person in that way. But it was a great journey to be able to get out of my full-time job and do this full-time to be able to help other investors invest alongside me passively, care for these residents and build commercial real estate portfolio.
0: So take us through those first steps. How did you form the company? How did you get into your first investment?
1: The key that took me a little bit to learn is partnerships. (laughs) this is a, uh, this really is a team sport. And even the most experienced names or the most well-known names that you may see on the internet, everyone has business partnerships because this is a complex business. Running a commercial real estate property profitably and well and having good impact takes people to find the investment. Sometimes the same or separate people to asset manage and manage the property management company. And then still other folks, sometimes there's overlap, sometimes not, that help bring investors that can benefit from the investment to the table as well. So I started off finding properties. I think I'm a good little detective. I love market research and finding emerging markets with growing population and growing job growth in the United States. So I found properties that would be incredible investments that were great opportunities and then found partners that had the, what I didn't have at the time, the the balance sheet and the experience to buy the property, get the loan and bring the property across the finish line. So the bottom line is found partnerships, found like-minded people with same values as me. And I've continued to, yes, always work with partners because I think we're all stronger together and we can reach our goals that way as well.
0: Well, excellent. Amy, tell us about what you have to offer our audience and how it is that they can get in touch with you to take advantage of that.
1: Of course. Well, we love to help folks that are looking to either build multiple streams of income, build their retirement, that maybe don't have the time or the desire to create another job for themselves by investing and operating their own properties. They can invest alongside us and take advantage of our market research and our experience and our great track record and invest not necessarily where they live but you can invest anywhere in the United States that makes sense. So we invite folks if they're interested to visit investwithamy.com. You can learn a little bit more about how we think through this process, how investing alongside us works, and if we happen to be a good fit, you can schedule time to talk with us and get any questions answered that you may have.
0: Well, wonderful. Amy, tell us about one of your in terms of your real estate investments. Tell us about one of your greatest challenges and what that was, how you dealt with that, and what did you learn from it?
1: My very first property we purchased was in Clarksville, Tennessee. It was a amazing property. Of course, I was very excited to close my first deal. And we received a call from the property management company the day after closing, letting us know that there was a woman who had mobility issues. She was wheelchair bound and she was living on a second floor apartment unit and there were no elevators. Hmm. So she was scooting herself on her tush forgive the graphic nature of this up and down oh these stairs oh, no. we were I mean it's it's even hard to talk about now because yeah. imagining how the previous owner or property management company could put someone in that situation is so inhumane so this was my first big decision to of how to handle such you know, such a catastrophe mm-hmm. um, and it took a pause for me to think, okay, you know, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. I espouse these values of I'm going to put people first and take care of them. So what is this going to look like? Thankfully, again, my business partners were like-minded about putting people first and always doing the right thing. So out of our own pocket, we reached out to the woman, told her if we couldn't find a accessible unit for her on the first floor of our own, we'll either put her up in a hotel until we can find one or pay for her to be able to stay at a neighboring unit uh, apartment complex in the area. So it was costly. It was time-consuming to get movers. The resident was really grateful, but also kind of one of those folks that kind of didn't want to be fussed about or have attention, but clearly Mm -hmm. she needed help and wasn't able to really advocate for herself. We found out she'd only been in the unit, thankfully, for about a week. So this wasn't something that was ongoing, but it was a challenge. And we we didn't know if we were gonna be legally liable, if she was going to do something, you know, about accessibility and the Americans with Disabilities Act. Thankfully, she ended up being a very happy resident and very grateful for the time and expense we took to make sure she was okay. Took about two weeks of her living at a hotel before we were able to clean up and get ready a unit of our own on a first Mm. floor. But yeah, it was, it it remains today one of the most heartbreaking and kind of anxiety producing challenges I've had as an operator, simply because as someone else with a disability, I know how important- Things like this can be so. Mm. It was a challenge.
0: Well, that is heartbreaking, and it just you know it's amazing that I don't know embarrassment or what it was. She just was not able to advocate for herself that she you know could end up in a situation like that. I don't know how a property manager could not have been aware of that. That's just, uh, <laughs> just yeah, I know it's astounding. <laughs> it,
1: it leaves one at a loss for words. Yes, yeah, my, my sentiments exactly. Sure. Yeah, I wish yeah. we knew. I don't think we ever will know, but you know there is. A a sense of gratitude of, okay, well, I'm glad we're in a position to be able to help and to fix this, you know, a better, better us than anyone else. So I'm grateful we were able to show up for her and make life easier for her.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Well, Amy, uh, it's just been delightful having you enjoy your vibrant smile. It is a beautiful smile. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This was such a pleasure. Enlightened investors don't
0: go yet. I have just a couple of quick requests. You know the drill. Like, share, and subscribe. But we also need your help to build our audience, so please go to your favorite podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review. I'll be most grateful. Until next time, prosper and live abundantly. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital